big bags. We securing everything that we never had, and we like to pop tags. We big bags. We securing everything that we never had, and we like to. Whoa, what's up? Welcome to all. Thanks for tuning in. We would like to welcome y'all to the Mindful Malpractice Podcast, the area where we dare to think, even if we got to break some social regulations in order to do so. I'm your host, Cordell Caldwell, third-year law student and future associate at one of the largest law firms in the nation, former Division I athlete, and I'm joined here by my brother, my A1 since mm. day one, you know, the fam for real, my boy Bryson Drennan. Say what's up to the people. This is Bryson Drennan, second-year pharmacy student coming from Abilene, Texas, the jack of all trades, yet the master of none, ready to uh, let you guys get in on the mindful malpractice and see what we're all about. Master of none at the moment, but master's coming <laughs> right, real soon. Right. We know this is our first show. We want to give y'all a little bit of a kind of a roadmap for what we're going to be doing. This podcast is going to be broken up into four main segments, life-changing things, culture, our personal lives, and then a social issue. We're going to try and keep it to maybe one to two topics per segment. We're going to try and be coming to y'all at least once a week, release every Sunday, so y'all get a you know chance to see our beautiful faces <laughs> once a week. <laughs> we know that's going to make y'all weekend. So mm. first thing uh, we're going to talk, we're going to do our Life Changes segment. Bryce, I'll let you introduce this one because you actually put me on to this topic. Uh, has to do with uh, a couple of, I believe they were like neurotechnicians and mm -hmm. they were actually in the White House and they were talking to, you know, the White House correspondents and people, people high ups about the future of neurotechnology. So, you know, I'll let you speak on, you know, what they talked about. Yeah, science is kind of my thing. I mean, I'm, like I said earlier, I'm a pharmacist and I try and neurotechnology might not necessarily correlate directly with pharmacy, but in terms of the, the field of science, I try and stay up to date and keep a keep a keep my finger on the pulse on what's going on around the community. And there's a new new era is going to be coming in, right? Neurotechnology is basically the next step in advancement of technology. And these two neurotechnologists were working on developing a type of digital chip or kind of a headband that you can put around your head, and this would use or this would be a mode for you to communicate with technology like your phone or maybe a computer or maybe a hardware soft drive, any, anything like that with your thought process, right? And so this is really ushering in the next step of evolution of mankind because one of the points they had made in the article was talking about how this is now going to create a further gap between humans. You're going to have people who have access to this technology that will now allow them to not only access info more information, but basically distance themselves from what a regular human would be. And so there's a lot of things that come into contact with this. Many ethical talks, right? How do you regulate this? How do you allow someone that maybe might be a hacker can now hack into your, your brain space because of this device that is in complete connection with your thoughts? And so it was a really interesting article. It's got a lot of good stuff. I mean, if you want to read it, we might drop the link. I did put it, it's in Spanish. Mm -hmm. FYI, I can speak <laughs> Spanish. So for all those people out there, you're going to have to translate it to English if you want, but it's, it's good stuff, man. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, I definitely had to translate it to English. So, you know, for any of y'all that do check out the link, <laughs> don't feel bad because I'm in English. I don't speak no Spanish. Uh, I was reading it and I was listening to them talking. I was like, man, I ain't going to lie. 
they may just have to leave me in the past, man. I have, I have so many, <laughs> I have so many ethical concerns, man. Like, because they're talking about like the future. They say, yeah, within 10 years, we'll be able to, you know, have these headbands and things like that. But then in another 10 years, we're talking about not only being able to receive and decipher information from the brain, but then also send signals back into the brain. Right. And then they were talking also about how at some point they'll have the ability to, you know how you have autofill, like when you're texting, right, you'll right, be able right, to do right. that, but with your brain. I'm that like, was bro. one of the big things. It was crazy. Like <laughs> you have the auto correction on your phone. It's like one thing they were trying to highlight was that with this technology, let's say you're in a conversation and you don't know what to say. This shit will auto correct your thoughts, right? <laughs> and so yeah. now it, you don't really have full control of your thoughts. You're becoming becoming one with technology, which can be a good and bad thing, right? In your in your words. Yeah. That's crazy. And reading it, I guess, from like a future lawyer's perspective, I think they said it was Chile was the first country that put mm -hmm. brain information as protected under their constitution. Yep. And I was like, that's something the U.S. is going to need to consider because yep. think about, you know, the implications that that could have for police interrogations. It's like you come in and now your right to silence can be violated because they just put a little headband on you, oh. extract the data and be like, oh, and look yeah, at his yeah. memories. He did the crime. We got him. And it's like, to <laughs> an extent, movie, like, man. It's a movie. yeah. And yeah. it's like, it's really like some Black Mirror type stuff, bro. And I don't, I don't know if I'm rocking with that, how much, you know what I'm saying? But <clears throat> one of the things I mean, though, that I thought, I didn't mean to cut you off, but one of the things that, yeah, you good. I thought that really sparked my interest was they, they, they made out an example, right, of how this technology is scary. A lot of people are going to have, you know, a sense of trepidation towards it because of all these problems that could come. But in the same breath, it's an advancement in our species, and right? And so... There's many, there have been many technologies that have come that have really pushed us forward as a human society. Telephones, right? right? When telephones are first coming out, I'm pretty sure people were not, you're not all on board, right? There were mm -hmm. questions about it. And you, we look back now to a times without telephones, we think, damn, we existed without telephones. How crazy is that? These people are, I'm not going to call them um, slow, but they were just, you know, not as advanced or as, as knowledgeable as us. And so he was right. drawing the point that once we get to this point in time, we're going to look back to where we are today and be like, wow. We really didn't capitalize on this level of technology that we could have and we were just more primitive as a species and that kind of opened my mind up to basically allowing this to kind of happen and maybe expanding my thought process on it i think to an extent i do agree but the only thing i have an issue with is even as we progress like as a species most of our technological advancements have come externally right like we have phones you know what i'm saying we have computers we have all this thing now we're talking about integrating this phone into our brain mm -hmm. like talking about fundamentally changing what it means to be right. human i think they right. mentioned that and my it thing is. is like i worry you know about that because i don't like fast fixes to things and they were talking about you know oh this is going to make it to where your brain can do math problems so much faster or it's going to give you external memory so you can memorize things better but kids growing up in jewish households i don't know if they still do but they used to have to memorize the torah and then a long time ago in ancient civilizations they passed down religious texts and stories through oral tradition you just told it and someone memorized stories after stories and stories human brain has this capacity to learn these things and do these things and then there's like that math teacher that was like viral on youtube because you could give him a random problem and he could solve it like instantly like he was a calculator yeah yeah so we as humans have the ability to do these things you know what i mean and i don't think we need 
this computer integration. I think it's good to use computers as much as we can. I just worry about actually integrating it into us as humans, because as humans, we can make advancements, we can learn things, we can compute, and we don't need to change what it means to be human in order to right. achieve those things. That's what, that's essentially what it is. It has its benefits and its negatives. I think the principle of which they're deciding to act upon bringing this in to our culture is to help people who have mental disabilities and mm -hmm. with Alzheimer's, dementias, this is possibly a mode to recapture their life once before they had the disease. Right. And so I think the, um, the initial thought behind it has really good intentions, but mm -hmm. I feel like with many of things, once it becomes more common, more commercialized, that's when people start to take advantage of it. And Absolutely. you know, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting to see where this will go. I feel like a lot of times technology will make us smarter, but lazier in your sense, mm -hmm. kind of what you were preaching on. And yeah. I'm an old soul too, man. So I got, <laughs> I got a record player in the back. People don't even know what record players are. You got phones that can. That's facts. Facts, man. I just, it's, it's interesting to see where this will go. And I think I am a huge proponent of using this technology for health reasons, right? Like, I think they were also talking about people who are paralyzed, they're being able to write with their mind. I think those are cool advancements and, you know, things that can be implemented. I just worry about commercialization of it and uses, for lack of a better term, like cosmetic reasons, right? Like you're just doing it just to become lazier because it's simpler for you, but you have all the capability to do it without this integration technology. And that's just, I worry about it being used in those senses yeah man inevitably it will be dude like this is how it yeah. goes this is true so i mean hey humans we are our own worst enemy <laughs> <laughs> now we about yes, to sir. jump into the culture segment and so for this both of us being former division one athletes we want to talk about football nfl playoffs going on he's going to run down some of the games so First up, Buffalo beating New England, 47-17. <laughs> Bro, it was so nice watching Buffalo finally curb stomp New England for the first time in a long time in the playoffs. I mean, oh, I don't know man. about I'm a fan of greatness, bro. I'm a Belichick hey. fan, man. Man, I got to respect it. I can't do nothing but respect great teams. But at the same time, man, it is, it is nice just seeing the underdog finally getting their revenge. So Josh Allen. Hey, he may be he may be running that the whole stud. season, but Just that man is nice, man. Just when he's on, they on. What trajectory do you have going on for the Bills, man? What do you see them doing in this postseason? I like how they look, but they play Kansas City next week. So I'm, yeah. I think this is the end of the road for the Bills. It was a great run, but if the real Kansas City show up, I, I don't think the Bills stand Kansas much Kansas City of a been riding on the wave, man. They 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 coming into the postseason with the right amount of energy. Oh, yeah. clicking on all cylinders. I like the way Kansas City looks. It may be controversial to say, I think Patrick Mahomes going to be the best to ever play when he retired. Like, real talk. I, th I think he surpasses. I already think he's probably the most talented quarterback. It's between him and Rodgers, the most talented people right to ever throw. But, <laughs> hey, he won a couple more rings. Hey. Well, hot takes. No, sir. How are you going to say the best ever? No, no, no. I'm not saying the best. By, by the time he retires, I'm saying by the time his career plays out, I think he'll have surpassed Brady because I think Brady's the most successful quarterback but if you take one quarterback you telling me there's anybody in the history of the league who you would build a team around off nothing but like their math day information other than uh, Patrick Mahomes do you consider do you consider game management a talent bro because that's I feel like how you define talent you're talking about athleticism if we're talking raw athleticism God-given talents Patty Mahomes definitely is surpassing Tom Brady. But I feel like 
the reason why Tom Brady, one of the reasons why he's so great is his time management and his decision-making skills are second to none, which in my opinion is a talent. So uh, I'm gonna answer that question. I'm going Tom Brady still. I would define those more as skills because okay. any quarterback can learn how to be, you know, a great decision maker. And that's the thing about Tom Brady. He's the most disciplined. Jimmy Garoppolo? Last whoa, night's game? Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I'm saying anyone can. Anyone okay. can. I'm not saying anyone can, like anyone does it, but anyone can okay. learn that skill. Because, like, Tom Brady's the most disciplined quarterback to ever play the game. Like, learning about his process, dude is damn near unstoppable as far as, like, his work ethic goes. But as far as just raw talent, things you can't teach, things like you can't teach someone to throw the ball 85 yards on kneeling. You know what yeah. I mean? Like if he can get to even, I'll say, 60%, 60-70% of the discipline that Tom Brady has with the talent that he has, I don't, I don't really think you can classify anybody as a better quarterback. Right, right. Argument, I mean, yeah, you, you make a strong case. I don't know. It's yeah, it's, it's that's a way to look at it. Aaron Rodgers, I would definitely put him up against in terms of most athletic overall flinging that football. But you make oh, a good point. I, mean, I can't, I can't hate on that. Only thing I think left other game to talk about, um, unless you had any other notes on the San Francisco Dallas game besides Dallas choking in the playoffs again. How about them Cowboys? Shout out to my boy Angel Landry. Yes, if you yes, know sir. I'm a cowboy fan. I've been waiting for you to catch this L, boy. <laughs> Next year they're going to Super Bowl, though. So wait on it. Wait on it. <laughs> yeah, Dak Prescott going to be the quarterback? That's the Dak Prescott going to be the quarterback. They're not going to that Super Bowl, man. I think they should I keep Dak. I think they should keep Dak. Dak is talent personified, but he does not handle pressure well. Like we saw that San Francisco was able to get to Dak. And Dak looked like Jalen Hurts running, yeah, trying to run yeah. from that defense. Yeah. It could have something to do with, obviously, you know, he's just coming back from that injury. So, you know, he's yeah. thinking about that in the back of his head. That's understandable. But he sees pressure in his face and he immediately retreats. And that caused him to throw off balance, a lot of bad throws, tip balls, getting intercepted. And uh, Yeah, last night, last night definitely was his chance or his opportunity to solidify, you know, him as the leader in the face of that franchise, and he didn't really shine bright when it counted the most. But I feel like they already paid him the big money. They ain't dead. Mm, He's a solid true. quarterback. I would put him as a top five, maybe top ten quarterback man, in the NFL. Mm. He can guide this team in the right direction. He's a leader. He just – I don't know. I feel like they need a little bit better management from top down. Someone That's to help support him, man, because Mike McCarthy, he sure as heck ain't doing it. <laughs> Mike McCarthy not that guy. <laughs> Second to last game of Wild Card Weekend, we got Kansas City over Pittsburgh, 42-21. to 21. Pittsburgh scores first, but other than that, they was never really in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, offense is way too dominant. I think Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs are hitting a full stride right now. They're coming in off the high towards the end of the season. I think they're going to ride this wave to a Super Bowl, if you ask me. And then you got Ben Roethlisberger, probably his last game where we're going to get to see him play. But I really want to talk more about his legacy because we saw what he did on the field. You know what I mean? We saw he got two Super Bowl rings, but he has just as many sexual assault allegations. So the name that he's made for himself off the field, how do you think that affects his legacy? With a lot of situations like that, it will taint the legacy. But a lot of times with the high fame and notoriety that the off-field life will eventually start to make its way into the picture, kind of skew some people's opinion towards the legacy being left. But when we're talking about strictly football, I think he's a future Hall of Famer, in my opinion. And we're talking strictly football. If you can keep it within that context, you know, 
it, it'll be a little bit easier maybe to um, overlook those things once he has a gold jacket on. But it's it's always going to be on there, man. You know, you're going to associate Ben with his greatness, and then you get in that same breath, you're going to have those allegations that are always on his back. So it's going to be a hard thing to really get off his shoulders. But I still think if you keep it within, you know, the realms of football, that we can speak on his name in a good way. To an extent, you kind of have to, you know, keep it within the realm of football because obviously these are very egregious things that he's been accused of. However, we have to accept that these are just allegations you know what i mean mm -hmm. and that's not not to disparage the victims or anything like that but that wouldn't be fair to judge somebody as something that he hasn't been proven to be in a court of law the parallel that like you're talking about off the field mishaps and the artwork that they put on the field antonio brown's a very similar case where you, i see him as a future hall of fame myself again and talk about the body of work he put on a football field it'd really be a shame to his legacy left on the field to talk about or juxtapose those things with his mishaps off the field. Like I understand it's a part of the person, it's part of the character and the narrative, but when you're looking at it from a sport perspective, man, I, you just gotta keep it within the context of the sports. Yeah, and Antonio Brown's another one. And actually, I'll say a better example because we know for a fact, you know, the type of person that Antonio Brown is, he like he's, yeah, he's like he's shown us repeatedly, but outside of worrying about him as a person, you know, you still can stop and say like, hey, man, appreciate like, his art form. Yeah, facts. To a certain extent, you have to accept that if you hold celebrities to the same general decency standard that you hold other people to very often you're going to be disappointed just because of the way they live. Not all and not even most or anything like that, but there are a significant number of people who let the fame get to their head. And you have right. to be able to accept, not necessarily a good person, but dang, you know, I like watching him play football. I like the music that she made, this, that, and the third. John Mulaney was talking about his experience with, I think it was Mick Jagger. And he's like, people ask, is Mick Jagger nice? And he would always say, no, he's not a nice person. But at the same time, like he's Mick Jagger. He literally says, Diet Coke. And someone walks and puts a Diet Coke in his hand. Like, of course, he doesn't know about saying please and thank you and being right. a genuine person. Like, if any of you had that type of power, you would abuse it on a regular basis. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. So I don't know about that. It's, <laughs> it's certain people, man, that they might let that fame corrupt them. And other people, you know, they might have a better, um, better tolerance to withstanding the potential abuse of certain power. All right, so last thing we'll cover on the, as far as NFL playoffs go, Super Bowl predictions, you know, who, who you got making it to the Super Bowl? Packers Chiefs, let's go. <laughs> Packers Chiefs, all right, that's, that's going. Ah, right, that's tough. You know what? I think that was kind of where I was thinking too, but in the sake of being a little bit different, I'm going to say Titans, Rams. Wow. That's my Super Bowl pick, so I'm going to go. Titans and Rams, okay. Yes, sir. Is Derek Kimmy back in? I think he's supposed to be back playing this week. So, you know. If that I'm man comes back full health, that, that, you might have a case. Yeah, so we, we shall see. Last thing on the culture topic. For those of y'all who don't know, Bryce is like the biggest Gunna fanboy in existence. <laughs> hold on, so, don't play with me that. Bro, hold on. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. <laughs> I am a supporter of culture, bro. <laughs> Fanboys. <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> no, nah, no, nah, but for real. Bryce yeah, is a fan of Gunner. So Push we want to talk a little bit about that. 
Yes, we sir. want to talk a little Coach bit about him. the album. I'm going to let Bryce start it off. Yeah, man, look, I've been following Gunner for a while, man. Top to bottom, I think it was a good album. I think he, he played it safe. He stuck to what he is. Gunner now has a sound. He's established himself in the game. And I feel like he didn't really try and stray outside of that. I still think Dripper Drown, Dripper Drown mm. 2 is probably my favorite album. I wouldn't put this above that, but this song has some fire on there. For anybody that's yeah. not listening, this guy's pushing P. It's a global movement, <laughs> <but. laughs> Yeah, Gunner really has taken over the mainstream. I everywhere yeah, I go, buddy. honestly, I I didn't even listen to the album or even thought about Gunner, and I'm seeing P's everywhere. I'm like, bro, you what is all this know. P gotta do? Like, what are y'all talking about? And then, sure enough, that's been the thing, man. For a lot of a lot of artists' success, what I've noticed is they find a way to attach some sort of branding to themselves. Drake, OVO, you think mm -hmm. of OVO, that's Drake, and I feel like Gunner is trying to kind of ride that way in the sense where he's saying pushing P, that's his thing. So if anybody says that, you know they. That's a homage to my, my man um, Gunner, you know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, he did his thing on that album. Yeah. I'll be honest, the, the only what song I... <laughs> the only song I added to my playlist uh, is the song with him and Lil Baby. I thought oh that was my, my song God, right there. Anytime them one song, this guy here. Look, man, look, okay. man. I'm very selective about you know. <laughs> I listen to an album, but I won't put everything on my playlist. I think I'll I'm put the whole that. album on as soon as it drop. Yes, sir. No, only only album I did that for was uh, Polo G's Hall of Fame album. Oh, that album I added the whole. Fame, yeah, That's hey, bad. that thing went hard. That whole album. Okay. I can listen to that thing on repeat. Yeah, but Polo G, I'm a Polo G fanboy the way you a Gunner fanboy. So, you know, it evens mm -hmm. out. <laughs> mm -hmm. At this point, we're going to get into our personal segment. So this is something uh, I really like. It's near and dear to me because this is kind of where we open up to y'all and we really talk about our lives in general, like who we are as people. And we talk about things that's really affected us. And, you know, hopefully we can give y'all something that can help y'all through whatever y'all are going through, whatever y'all are experiencing. So I feel like it's a really good way for us to connect with the fans. And our topic for today is dealing with pressure. Those of y'all who don't know, me and Bryce actually come from slightly different home uh, dynamics. Mm -hmm. Bryce came from a large family. Um, right. Three older brothers, a little mm -hmm. sister, and an older sister. So, I'm a real big family, man. I'm an only child. So, you know, it was literally <laughs> just me in the household. But I think we both experienced pressure to succeed. I know for you, having older siblings that are like super successful and do things, how that pushed you to, you know, reach the heights that you reach. And then also for me, um, being an only child and being like, literally my parents one shot to get it right. The pressure that <laughs> yeah. put on me, <laughs> that put on me. You want to go ahead and, you know, start speaking on your experience and how you dealt with that pressure. Yeah, man, I think it, it, it was beneficial for me in the fact that I do have three older brothers. They are very successful, also intelligent. And it, it kind of put me into a corner to where I can either allow the pressure to make me want to rebel and kind of turn my back towards my family because, man, these guys are more successful than me. I'm never going to fit in. Or to kind of ride to that occasion. And so I felt like always growing up, in a household with three older brothers i'm gonna be picked on it gave me thick skin because they were tough on me hard on me but it was all out of love and i think once in a, in a family context if you know it's coming from love and that they want to see you succeed as much as they succeed it's pressure but it, it's it's also guidance in a certain sense you know it allowed me to stay focused and to always have that model of people who are successful something to strive for and when you have three older brothers one's in law one's an, um, a lawyer one is a journalist and one is doing very well in sales tech, you know, I always have people to look up to, people to call upon to kind of give me guidance and direction. And if I do find myself in a situation where I feel like I'm not as successful 
I'm not succeeding as much. I know it's all still love between the family. And so I don't really have myself to blame in that sense. Right, right. That's mm -hmm. real. I didn't really experience that pressure of trying to live up to somebody else. However, it was a different sort of pressure because my parents had very high expectations for me. Like if you're not getting A's on your report card, you're not playing football. I had to perform. It was a lot of pressure. You know, I don't think I got my first B until golly, like it had to be high school. Like it was the first time I got a B. You had to like, think so? Oh my yeah. <laughs> Educated yeah, brother, God, dog. Yeah, man, because like it was like it was so long where it just wasn't acceptable, and that did become a lot at some points. But it really did help me. You kind of alluded to as a positive, but I think the negative for me, it was hard for me when I was young not to take things personally. The way that I was spoken to in my very interpersonal relationships was a lot different than I think, you know, people get spoken to outside in the regular world. And yeah. because I wasn't experiencing that on a day-to-day -day basis, a lot of times if people came at me with certain disrespect, I would get angry. Like I would lash out and like, I'll be yeah, like, why are you talking to me like that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it took me a long time to really learn everything doesn't have to be taken personally just because something someone says something to you in a manner you don't like because they're not like your parents they don't see you every day so they don't know exactly how you like to be talked to they don't know exactly what to say to you to get the perfect response and I think that was a really important point of growth for me as I've gotten older is to get better at listening to people for what they say and deciding okay is this person really coming for me or are they actually you know trying to help me right man yeah that, that, that's that's an interesting viewpoint on that and you know a lot of times pressure can burst pipes and make diamonds but I feel like in, in your context it, it kind of has driven you to achieve the level of success that you've reached and for many, it does the same. And I feel like it, it stems from the support base. You, you mentioned the support you have from your parents and, and them being able to communicate with you and get to you on a different level than your peers. And I feel like that was the denominator in terms of you being able to receive um, other amounts of outside negative energy, whether it be hate from kids or you giving backlash because people might not be able to communicate you in the same way because you grew up by yourself. But I feel like as long as you have that support, man, it allows you to make it to where you want to go and it allows you to be able to tolerate a lot more pressure. It was interesting that, you know, you talked about like now being able to like lean on your brothers and see how people have done it, you know, before you. So now yeah. you have that roadmap of people like super close to you. You'd be like, hey, bro, you know, how did you handle this? How did you deal with that? And that's a double edged, that was actually a double edged sword for me, man. You know, I, I had the roadmap, the, the way it was paid for me, but it also kind of allowed me to coast, which is mm. exactly what I did in high school, right? I, I would, I would have teachers. We all went to the same high school. And so mm -hmm. I, my name before I even came into the school was already established. Like, oh, you were training, you're going to be this way. People would have preconceived ideas of what my personality would be like. And they wouldn't necessarily give me a chance to establish myself as an individual. So I really just coasted off, off the shoulders of my brothers, right? That last name that I had. And so it allowed me to kind of find my way through high school rather easy and not necessarily have to um, dedicate as much time and attention to figuring out who I was or what I wanted to be because the last name that had, you know, preceded me before I even got into the school. I was going to be an athlete, <laughs> I was going to be cool or whatever, and my brothers were all on the morning show. And so it kind of just ushered in a, um, uh, a different level of um, pressure. I think one of the big things we're going to get into talking about is be who you can afford to be. Like life gives you advantages, take advantage of those advantages. And I think for you, yeah, you know, it was allowing you to coast, but 
I think even you would say in certain ways, being able to coast and not necessarily deal with the same stresses of high school also helped you out, you know, long-term because you really were the person that got me interested in secondary hobbies. My entire life was always focus on the big picture, do what I'm going to do, like focus on my career and not necessarily focus on things that, you know, I enjoy. And so like seeing you read books in Spanish and want to learn Spanish or you want to learn music, that kind of taught me like, you know what, hey, maybe I should slow down a little bit. I can take some time to, you know, focus on me and do things that I, you know, enjoy and make me a more well-rounded person. So I think, you know, allowing you to take that more ease approach not only helped you, but also helped me, you know, in friendship with you. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Man, that was deep. You know, I appreciate. I think that was a great. <laughs> that was a great first uh, personal segment topic. We're gonna keep it rolling, and we're gonna get into our last topic. Actually, uh, our social segments. And for this one, it's, I think it's a perfect flow from what we were just talking about. You know, growing up, we're talking about the K through 12 schooling system mm. and the issues that that presents in the way that it's currently set up in America. And obviously, I didn't get a chance to study abroad like you did, but. You know, I <laughs> I am, you know, myself pretty well-traveled. I get to, you know, been to a lot of different countries. I think I've been to every continent except Antarctica, actually. Um, yeah, so, you know, I get to see life in a bunch of different places. And I'm my one of my goals is to continue traveling more just to get more perspective. But one of the biggest things that I've noticed just from, you know, being places and learning and talking to people is the way that America runs its school system, it's in a way set up that we're setting up our kids for failure. And I'm particularly talking about like our public school system, right? Um, K through 12 schooling, we're not teaching kids the necessary skills to be successful in life. We're teaching kids how to follow order. We're teaching kids how to fall in line, how to do the things we tell you to do, stay on this regimented schedule, go here, talk when we tell you to talk, answer these questions. This is what's important. This is what's not. And we're not spending time telling kids how to live a life and think outside of the box and how to have their own mind and how to be individuals, how to be creatives, how to, you know, think in different mindsets besides just the regimented, uh, strict way of doing things. And I think in a lot of ways, public K through 12 schools in America are really failing our children. Yeah, man, I would agree with that. I think the one thing about public schools that always comes to my mind is when you have that standardized measurement of someone's academic success or their how intelligent they are it kind of limits the capacity of people to supersede that so let's say you find a student who might not make it or meet the bar for an sat right but this child actually has plenty of potential but because you have this standardized test that's saying you're not up to par that might completely demoralize that child and completely change the the course of their life they could grow up to be a millionaire but they, they don't have the, the energy or the motivation to do so because the standardized test told them they weren't at the level or exceeding the level of success they should at any stage of the school of schooling system. So I feel like that, that limitation is really um, a huge hindrance to allowing people, to your point, be able to think outside and expand outside the regimen of a, of a schooling system. And I remember I was watching this video of this man was talking about a guy who grew up to be very successful, right? But this child was failing in high school and they were failing throughout um, elementary school and middle school. And they took an SAT because their parents really wanted them to go to college. And so the child took the SAT and he came back to his mom and told that he was in the top 1% of the SAT scores. And his mom was like, stop lying. He was like, mom, I'm not lying. And she was like, who'd you cheat off of? 
And he was like, I tried to cheat. I'm telling you, but the way the SAT was set up, I couldn't cheat because of the um the the scan the scantron didn't allow me to. Mm-hmm. And so this kid ended up going on. He didn't make it into college, but he started his own entrepreneurial business and he founded this business and became became to be a multimillionaire. And then so I think it was like time had passed and they actually went back and looked and that he was one of, I think it was, I don't remember the number, let's say 10 for the sake of the conversation, yeah. 10 students where their SAT was actually sent in incorrectly and that his mm. real SAT score was actually like the worst SAT score you could possibly have. <laughs> but, right, the, yeah. point, the, yeah. point stands, the point stands <laughs> that the motivation he had from, let's say, ex- meeting the bar, right, gave him the capacity to strive what his actual right. high school academic success was. And so if you just give people the potential and the energy and the mindset that they can do it, I feel like that's a lot more important than having people meet a standardized bar of success. I don't know if you've ever seen the meme, but it's like this guy and he's sitting behind a desk and it's all these animals lined up. They got like a monkey, an elephant, a fish, and like all these different animals, right? He says to make an accurate determination of the skills of all involved, I'm going to ask every one of you to climb this tree right and it's like obviously (laughs) the monkey is gonna do it and everyone else is gonna fail right but it's like you can't judge everybody because all those animals have different skill sets but if you give them one simple test you know it's gonna degrade people in different ways and Mm -hmm. you know just for full transparency for us talking both of us you know we went to the same we went to a public school uh both of us were in advanced placement classes both you know did very well on the sat so we are two guys who very much benefited from this standardized system but even still we're telling you that this is not a fair way because we had so many friends growing up who were real like intelligent guys like real creative ways of thinking and is just unfair because they didn't test well, right? right? And it's like some people did test well. Uh, I don't know if you remember uh, freshman year we had, and I can't remember the names, but it was two girls. They were in our, um, it was like our geography class, our freshman year geography class. And we had that one test that no one thought they were going to do well on. And so the two girls, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> one of them studied like nonstop all week. She was just, you know, busting her tail. She ended up failing with like a 30 something. And then the <laughs> other girl, um, the other girl, I think her name, oh, her name was Casey. I don't know if you remember Casey. Yeah, yeah. She said she legit walked into the test, just guessed on every answer, and she got like a 74, which ended up being like one of the <laughs> highest grades in the class. Just playing the odds <laughs> game, man. Yeah. That's right. a shame. It's just like, but it's so easy to do that on, you know, standardized testing and systems like that because, it's, you know, you're not really testing people's actual cognitive abilities you're testing people's ability to memorize answers or disability as my dad would say right right so. yeah i mean yeah four answer choices you got 25 percent chance <laughs> of getting them joints right exactly, <laughs> she obviously exactly. hit the mark with a lot of them that's a shame that yeah that's, that's, not a, that's not a fair way to to you know assess someone's intelligence level i mean you have to have a way to gauge that and i understand the importance of that but I feel like there should, um, you know, there's got to be a reformation to make it a little more applicable to life outside of high school. And how we do that is, so I think, and this is kind of goes outside of the realm of just schools, but the biggest issue I see with public schooling is that schools are funded based off housing taxes. So like, you know, however much you get taxed for your house, that money, you know, portion of that goes to the schools. And it's like, 
obviously, if you live in a low-income area where people don't own their homes or they own homes that aren't worth very much, those taxes aren't putting money into those schools. So all those kids aren't getting the same education as you know schools in more wealthier, affluent neighborhoods. So we need to stop basing how our schools are funded based off housing taxes. It needs to be a more egalitarian system of mm. funding our schools so mm. that you know everybody has reasonably similar access to funding and to programs that can help you know teach kids different life skills yeah man it just it increases the divide between a child's potential for success versus another child right you can be five miles down the block but this child is going to end up growing up completely different just because of that five mile distance had a neighborhood that could afford to pay a lot more and fund their school versus a school that was on the other side of the street that just didn't have the right. same amount of funding going into the program. And I think that's kind of unfair in that sense, but mm -hmm. you know, it's, 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 a, it's a hard thing to do because if it could have been made better, it would have been done, right? So I, I feel like yeah. there might not be enough emphasis on the change and support, but I feel like there needs to be more people that are speaking out about it. There needs to be a greater investment you know, nationwide in these public schools, because even if it doesn't directly affect your child, it affects the way the children around you are brought up. And you're, it's a lot harder for a kid brought up in these very rough environments where the schooling system is poor. You know, they're surrounded by a lot of violence because when you raise kids around these areas, then there's usually very few community resources. It's very hard to stay out of these environments. And, you know, it's not to excuse any bad behavior because at the end of the day, you're an individual, you control your own actions. Like, you know, you have the responsibility of overcoming whatever situation because life isn't fair. So you have to take that personally. But society-wide, you have to accept that if you set up bad scenarios, you're going to get bad outcomes. Right. To your point, <clears throat> you, you would like to see people set up in better environments and have a road to success across the board, you know, on all ranges of incomes. But a lot of times, you know, that, that mind frame, that mindset is what's most important. And I feel like kind of taking this in a bit different direction, the way mm. our society has moved, social media, and we kind of, we're in an age where people are, are living off of negative energy. Mm -hmm. People's actions and the opportunities they have are determined not only by their environment and the naturing situation of it, but a lot by the culture. And mm -hmm. if you're in a situation where you've been already um, behind the curve because you don't have access to as many things because you're in a lower in class, lower income area, plus mm -hmm. your culture is glamorizing, um, maybe doing wrong things like killing people or murdering or selling weed or selling, not weed, but selling drugs. <laughs> To, as, a, as a means for success, right, that you really limit someone's mindset. And I feel like mm -hmm. the most important thing to having success and to being um, or giving the opportunity to find success throughout a schooling system is the mindset. That's like the most important thing right. in my eyes. Yeah. On a personal level, it doesn't matter where you come from, how hard you had it coming up. Anybody who wants to accomplish something will accomplish. Maybe not that exact thing, but you know, in general, if you want to do good, you can do good, right? right? And it's like, there's multiple different avenues to doing good and to being a good person, being a productive member of society. So, you know, I can't feel bad that you got caught up in the system because everybody 
you know, easier or harder, has an opportunity to make it out for themselves. Right. The flexibility of that mindset, going back on that, is definitely huge. And I think one of the important things is like, even the school system, but the way America runs, they give us the opportunity to make what we want with our lives. I feel like I can't speak on every country, but I feel like there's other countries out there that even if someone wanted to do something right, their government system or their authoritarian system or dictatorship system would really oppress them in a manner that they really don't have an option. They have to do, they have to live by a certain way or else they might get killed or whatever might happen. But I feel like in this country, it's really hard for people to make excuses we you know there's a lot of things wrong with it and it can definitely be better in many ways especially for african americans but a lot of times people that feel victimized and marginalized kind of take that as an excuse and there's a lot of examples of i thought people who have come from poverty people who have been in situations where their environment has led them into the route where they could have easily ended up in jail it could have been a statistic but this country affords us the ability to take responsibility and for our own actions to what you were saying mm-hmm. and to make the best of what we have even if what we were striving for we might not reach we still have the ability not to only accept that loss but maybe take that and go into a different direction which is similar to both of our cases right we both wanted to be right. in the nfl and here we are you're in law school and i'm in pharmacy school oh man i hope we get a chance to do like a real deep dive on victim mentality because i think especially in the social media space yes, you're sir. seeing oh man a lot of bad happens to a lot of people what are you going to do after the fact? Like, if you can't change the past, all you can do is make history. Right. Facts. <laughs> Coach, I used to say, excuses are like assholes, baby. Everybody has one, dog. Oh, yes, sir. And they you all got stink. The, you got to <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man, it's a mindset. That's, that's really what it is for me, man. That's probably the most important thing. I'm going to keep harping on that. As y'all continue to follow us and just hopefully support us and get to grow with us and learn who we are. You're going to hear me say mindset all the time because that's one of the mm-hmm. biggest things I feel like. I had a mindset change earlier on in my college um, career, and it really has allowed me to get to where I am today. And I continue to try and fill my mind space with positive things and things that are hopefully going to get me to where I want to be. Hopefully, you know, we're able to give you all some tools. Um, you know, like he said, he's going to be harping on mindset. Uh, I'm going to be harping on responsibility and we're going to keep making those the things, things we talk about, things that, you know, we can give y'all advice and ways that, you know, can help maybe improve y'all's lives, give y'all a different perspective. Uh, That's the goal with this whole thing, man, is to just bring a new energy to this space. You know. All right, man. Well, that wraps up the inaugural episode of the Mindful Malpractice Podcast. We want to thank y'all so much for tuning in, for joining us. As it says back there, like and subscribe, you know, so we just really appreciate y'all. Yeah, and if you guys feel impacted or moved or even, you know, slightly triggered by anything we might have said, please (laughs) get in the comments. We want to build a relationship about anything throughout the video. We will try and be as active as possible as responding. You guys can even put some stuff out there if you want to hear us talk about it, see what our viewpoints are on it, man. Let us know. Mindful Malpractice is here to stay. We are coming. Please follow and join the movement. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Like my brother said, we're trying to make a community. You know, this is a open space for all of us to engage. Not a safe space. We don't do safe spaces. <laughs> this is a place for everybody to come to engage and interact. So, you know, most definitely reach out to us. Thank y'all so much. And I'm Cordell Caldwell. That's my brother Bryson Drennan. We'll catch y'all in the next one. YouTube and the Spotify algorithm, you know. <laughs>
smash that like button. <laughs> Can't buy it twice, so don't get it as facts. Your music is trash and the feature is tax. How you there, broke, but you still moving packs. How you plan leading the pack from the back? Yeah, all my dogs will attack. Yeah, I don't bang, but I stack. Yeah, money I bring in the bag. Uh, money I bring in the bag. Big bags, we securing everything that we ain't never had, and we like to pop. We meet almost broke when I'm looking at the dash Cause I'm driving so fast We came a long way, we ain't never going back Haters always ask how you get it like that I've been working, I've been grinding, you ain't living like that You ain't living like that, yeah I'm just addicted to winning Yeah, this is more than a commitment Yeah, money don't mean that you living Yeah, yeah You know I'ma start what I finish Whenever it's broke, I'ma fix it Get money and get out your feelings